Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. History in Five Songs with host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again. Welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. Amazon Music, of course, that's the one I always cut and paste when I'm sharing on Facebook. Um, anyways, this is episode 223. I'm calling this Bands Rarely Copied, period, but not never. Um, so this is bands that are, uh, that are, you know, I, okay, so here's what happened. So we got into this big discussion. I kind of had this episode planned, but, uh, but copacetically, uh, we got into this big discussion on Facebook. I just kind of entered the fray. They were talking about, uh, Jethro Tull, uh, saying that, um, you know, oh, in uh, Jethro Tull, big influence on a lot of bands, uh, you know, uh, Steve Harris loves Jethro Tull and all this stuff. And I, I just, to get the ball rolling, I put in there. Jethro Tull never influenced anybody. And then we got to this big debate about it, and, and it was actually pretty cool. Um, you know, the the idea uh, with this episode and the idea what I was I was arguing there is that uh, Jethro Tull is a big band. They're loved by millions of people. They're awesome. And it's almost a compliment that nobody kind of dared to copy Jethro Tull. And that was my point. That, you know, even Steve Harris, Iron Maiden does not sound like Jethro Tull. And somebody brought up, oh, what about the little dance in the jig part in uh, Dance of death you know this massive catalog there's a little part there and i wrote back and said look it's it's celtic you know if if you if you take every celtic part of iron maiden and and don't link it to jethro tull and just call it celtic i mean what left is there uh, in iron maiden so yeah the fact that steve harris is a perfect example of this the fact is he loves jethro tull they're a really cool band um but um Iron Maiden's not going to copy them, almost almost out of deference or 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 respect. But my point is, is that not a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, copy Jethro Tull. And I said, name one, and nobody could really name really anybody who copies Jethro Tull. And I even went on before I started this episode and uh, and looked up, and uh, you know, uh, so here's here's a funny one. Somebody put in, I didn't even check this one myself, but somebody put in Chat GPT said. Genesis, yes. King Crimson, Pink Floyd, Vandergaff. Obviously, this is a dumb answer. Um, 
Gentle Giant in focus, though, getting close. Emerson, Lake Palmer, no. Rush, no. Super Tramp, no. Um, so basically nobody. Um, and I remember somebody mentioned Skyclad, and that's kind of a fair game a little bit, right? Um, and I see, I think this was in in Reddit or Quora. Somebody said, well, what about the Decemberists or Dead Soul Tribe or Magellan or Opeth or Psychotic Waltz? Like, no, 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 right? Um so the idea here, and somebody else said, you don't have to have flute in your music to claim Jethro Tull as an influence. Well, you know what? Kind of helps. Uh, kind of helps, you know, if, if you really want to show that you were influenced by Jethro Tull. So that's the point here. Um, we're going to go through some examples of bands that are rarely copied, but not never. Um, because in the honorable mention, I'll mention a few things. You know, there, there's it could even be a whole nother episode, but the idea of bands that basically were never, ever copied. Um, but, you know, it's hard to find anybody who doesn't show some influence by, by somebody. So even though these are rare ones that we're going to do here, you could almost put them in the in the never um, the never category. Um, so, yeah, so let's play our first selection here, and we shall discuss. This is Star Castle with Elliptical Seasons. All right, this is from Star Castle, February 1976. Um, you know, in their next album, um, I can't, next, next two, I think, um, uh, Fountains of Light, 1977, Citadel, 1977. Yeah, the next two, I believe, are Roy Thomas Baker produced. Uh, Real to Real is when they sort of changed. But the idea here is that, okay, the episode's called Bands Rarely Copied But Not Never. The band here that is absolutely copied flagrantly is Yes. Um, and Star Castle, uh, you know you know how I pick these five examples quite often. Uh, one of my rules is, what is the first one that comes to mind? So anytime this topic comes up, Star Castle comes directly to mind. Um, so yeah, this album here, I've got all my Star Castle CDs out here. You know, these are the uh, the great uh, rock candy uh, reissues. Um, but yeah, so this says Lady of the Lake, Elliptical Seasons, Forces, Stargate, Sunfield, To the Firewind, and Nova, right? Um, so yeah, the idea here is that... Um, you know, a band can be so unique and cool and they need to be respected for their personal chemistry. And yes, and frankly, most of the prog bands um, have so much going on that that it looks really silly if you try to copy them. And it looks pretty silly when Starcastle uh, tries to copy Yes, because you can hear, even in that short clip, you can hear probably half a dozen tropes that are owned by Yes. I mean, they're basically Yes tropes. Um so you really can't copy yes. Um, Genesis is a funny one. I, I suppose Genesis uh, has one main copyist, and that would be early days Marillion uh, and even some of the fish catalog, I imagine. And you, you can't help it. Um, you know, the vocals are kind of similar. Everything's similar. There's a lot of keyboardy stuff as well. Here's a funny one that uh, in this department, keeping it here for a second, uh, Flower Kings, I think, is is maybe the next closest. I spent a lot of time talking to Royne Stolt, um, uh, you know, writing bios for Magna Carta music back in back in the day. Did a lot of that stuff. Wrote a lot of the bios for these, these uh, neo-prog bands. Uh, but yeah, that one's a little bit... Um, somebody brought up either in the Reddit or the Quora... Uh, 
Quora uh, Flash, which is like a post-Yes band uh, because Peter Banks anyways. Sticks can sound a little bit like um, like Yes at times. Ambrosia maybe. Um, and here's a funny one. Uh, somebody was doing a bit of a research project and they were looking. This almost reminds me of like what we would do at Banger Films. So I suppose he was working on something like this. But he was looking for people who claimed Yes as an influence. Um, and you've got John Furscanti from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Edge, Tyler Hawkins, Steve Stevens, Pat Smear, uh, James Murphy, Keith Levine. Now, none of these people, again, uh, to the respect and credit of yes, none of these people sound like yes. But I suppose, you know, we're getting into that definition of the word inspired versus influenced as well. We argued about this in the Facebook thing, too. It's like you can be inspired to be creative and go and create your own works by by the massive creativity that you see in this band and then do nothing like them. And that's kind of what you have happening here. We got the Flaming Lips, we got Rush, Steve Harris again, De La Soul, Mars Volta, Tool, Les Claypool, Matthew Sweet, Susanna Hoffs, Bob Stinson from The Replacements, believe it or not, um, Todd Rundgren, Mike Mills from R.E.M., believe it or not, Stone Gossard, Pearl Jam, uh, and, and Genesis, I suppose, a little bit, right? Um, so, yeah, kind of interesting how... Um, uh, again, uh, we're we're building a point that these are bands rarely copied, but not never. Um, and we're going to give you kind of flagrant fl uh, flagrant examples of that. And Starcastle is uh, the first one. Let's take a short break, and we'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, back again here. History in Five Songs, episode 223. Bands rarely copied, but not never. Take a listen to this. This is Blue Oyster Cult with Baby Ice Dog. I had this bitch, you see. She made lies to me. Love to see all. Give me a chill. All right, well, I had a whole... Um 
pretty cool Contrarians episode, I thought, on our YouTube channel, The Contrarians, uh, where I was uh, basically saying that um, the only band ever in the history of mankind uh, to copy Alice Cooper, the original Alice Cooper band, is, voila, early Blue Oyster Cult. Blue Oyster Cult... Uh, supported Alice Cooper early on. They were greatly influenced by them. They loved what they were seeing. But lo and behold, um, the sound of those first uh, three black and white era uh, albums before you get to On Your Feet or On Your Knees, the double live album, uh, are really the only records. Uh, and I, I, like I said, I did a whole episode on this, but they're the only records. And I found it super interesting um, when I sort of had this thought pop into my head uh, that sound like... Um, Love It to Death, so the third Alice Cooper album. Love It to Death, Killer, School's Out, Billion Dollar Babies, Muscle of Love, basically, right? Um, so this uh, Baby Ice Dog, this is from uh, Tyranny Mutation, 1973. So by 1973, uh, Alice Cooper is actually uh, on its last legs as a band, and uh, Alice is going to come back as a solo act with uh, with Welcome to My Nightmare. But um, I wanted to put this one in here because it brings up the point um, to get a little meta on you. Um, there's a little bit of an influence by a band here and in Alice Cooper that is a band that they broke the mold and nobody can copy fully, and that's The Doors. Um, so you definitely hear uh, The Doors in BOC and Alice Cooper. Um, it's in kind of the spookiness, the chord changes, some of the uh, you know old-school organ work, uh, more so in BOC, not particularly in anybody's vocals. Um, the darkness of the lyrics, perhaps, uh, the trapsiness of the drums, um, you know, very kind of mid-rangey, not very well recorded, everybody, uh, all three of these bands, frankly. Um, so that's kind of interesting. So so the shared influence uh, here uh, is The Doors, but Blue Oyster Cult is influenced wholesale, I think, uh, by Love It to Death and Killer Era, uh, essentially, um, Alice Cooper. And, uh, you know, just to take The Doors thing a little further, uh, you know, later on we've got The Tea Party, which is a hilarious but still awesome, awesome uh, pastiche merger of Led Zeppelin and The Doors. Um, you've got Jeff Martin, who kind of looks like Jim Morrison and sings like Jim Morrison. And then you've got this very Zeppelin-esque world music sound, which is really cool. But again, it's just kind of driving home the point. They aren't particularly Boyish Cult or Alice Cooper influenced, but they are Doors influenced. Um, and then to drive the point home a little more about The Doors, um, you know, I looked up... I looked up for all of these just to see, am I, am I crazy with this concept? And I basically proved myself right. But uh, The Doors, you go like 10 bands were influenced by The Doors. Every single one of them, none of them really sound like The Doors. You've got Iggy Pop, you've got Echo and the Bunnymen, Joy Division, Patti Smith, The Cult. Uh, I think Gillen is influenced by The Doors with the with the great Colin Towns keyboard work that you get in there, kind of very Ray Manzarek, uh, but that's the only thing about them. And Susie and the Banshees and even Billy Idol, right? So you've get, you, you get guys that occasionally are perhaps a little more influenced by Jim Morrison, but nobody's influenced by The Doors because nobody's going to be that stupid to make music that creepy and weird and crazy, right? Um, so, so yeah, so there's a, there's a, a, a meta link to The Doors through Blue Oyster Cult and... Uh, and Alice Cooper in that one. Uh, let's take a listen to our third selection here. Uh, again, remember, the theme is bands rarely copied, but not never. This is Spider with The Morning After the Night Before.
Okay, so the idea here, this is from Rough Justice 1984. This is a band uh, that is uh, part of the new wave of British heavy metal, but they're a little bit on the fringes. Why? Because they're slavish, slavish, slavish status quo uh, clones kind of thing. Um, now, I, you know, frankly, I went through this whole Rough Justice album. This is like, like a later one. They had uh, Rock and Roll Gypsies, 82. That's even more like Quo. But at this point, the new wave of British heavy metal is sort of ending. They're kind of doing some different things. The production's getting a little more commercial, better. Um, and when I go through this album, I, I definitely still hear a lot of status quo, but I, I also hear a lot of Slade. Um, and people have, have even linked Slade up to status quo, little status quo, whatever, for you UK people. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the interesting thing here. So so the idea here, again, the premise is status quo, status quo is not a band that's very often covered, but not never, right? So they're rarely copied, but not never. Um, so this is one case of where they are. And the other one that might even be even closer to the bone is Vardis, right? Um, so Vardis with that great high-powered, um, but still boogie rock album, uh, the, the World's Insane, which is a live album on Logo 1981. They followed that up with Quo Vardis, Little poppier but a studio album but again uh you've got a band uh vigilante in 86 you've got a band uh with uh steve zodiac there with the long white hair right um this is a band the other band that would dare to uh to be one of the very few bands uh that definitely have a direct influence in another band so you're getting you're getting a band that is rarely uh rarely copied but not never um but you know so it's it's an it's you know an obscure it can be an obscure band it can be a big band and then uh you know there are examples like we're showing with the show out there of uh, of a band who would dare to sound like that band and they both stepped in it completely i mean every single review you ever read just said quo 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 all over the place the, these all did right um it's just so obvious with these ones um okay let's move on let's listen to our fourth selection here this is tiles with beneath the surface catching a sign beyond the window All right, so this is from Fence the Clear, 1997, Detroit band, Tile. So what have we got going here? Let me get my uh, fully signed copy of uh, Window Dressing. Um, this was pretty cool. Fond memory of meeting these guys at a Banger Films uh, party we had for uh, Beyond the Lighted Stage. The Tiles guys were there, uh, or at least Chris Heron was there. Um, but Terry Brown, too. So, so what's the story here? So Tiles... Tiles is a rare, rare, rare example of a band, because this gets a little meta too, so they're a rare example of a band who sounds a lot like 90s period and forward Rush. Um, so talk about a band that's rarely, rarely copied. Rush period is not particularly copied. Um, we've talked about this many times. I'll be brief about it. But basically, as a band who invented progressive metal, nothing really sounds much like Rush. Uh, the first time where you see uh, influence rather than bands parallel to them that sound a little bit like Rush would be Queensryche, Fate's Warning, and then Dream Theater, right? Um, but really, uh, there, there's not a lot of super super duper a rush sound in there actually all three of those bands come to think of are quite a bit heavier than rush right um 
So yeah, the the funny thing about Tiles is that they really do sound like a band that uh, is super, um, you know, influenced by later era Rush with acoustic guitars and it's a little alternative and all that sort of stuff. The vocals are lower. Uh, so you got the the debut album '94. You got Fence the Clear that this was from '97. You got Presence of Mind. They like punning, so there's some Neil Peart punning in there. Window dressing, uh, Flypaper, and then 2016 pretending to run with all sorts of guest stars. On that we got Mike Portnoy, uh, Ian Anderson, Adam Holtzman, Colin Edwin, um, yeah, Mike Stern, Terry. So here's the other thing: Terry Brown uh, it produces a lot of their stuff, and Hugh Syme does a lot of the artwork for a lot of their stuff. So they're they're really like the Baby Rush from Detroit, right? Uh, but but the funny, you know, amusing thing is they're like the Baby '90s Rush. Uh, and then there's the Why Why Not band, you know, Rush tribute band, but they do a bunch of their own stuff as well. You've got Light and Shade 2021, Resonance 2019 the self-titled 2018 um, and you play that stuff and absolutely same sort of thing maybe even more than tiles they sound like 90s rush um, so we're um you know, uh, this episode is called Bands Rarely Copied But Not Never. Uh, this is like half of a band uh, that we're talking about here, the, the second half of Rush uh, that we're talking about here. Uh, and again, um, you know, I, I thought, okay, can, can I can I th- can I find too many examples of this? You know, you try to look up something like this on the Internet. Um, and, and you quickly get to uh, all these big stars later on, you know, partially because of the movie we did, um, you know, probably has a lot to do with this narrative, but the likes of Pearl Jam and Coldplay and Primus and Tool and Rage Against the Machine, Smashing Pumpkins, you know, all these bands, um, you know, claim to be influenced by Rush, but basically what they're done is they're, they're, they're more like inspired by Rush. Again, we get to that, uh, that definition where I'm trying to split it up, right? Inspired instead of influenced. Um, so, 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 you know, they go off and do their own thing, but there's really nothing particularly Rush-like about any of it. Um, they're more inspired by the guys, the, the solidity of the band, the learning to play, getting your chops down, being serious about your band, being literary. Um, so there are all these good things that they're picking up from Rush. Um but the direct influence, the direct sounding like them is not there. So I thought it was pretty interesting to uh, to play you some tiles and go play some Why Why Not. You'll find that uh, amusing as well, um, that there is this to it. Okay, let's move on to our fifth and final selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Highway Child with Handing You Over. All right. Any day we get to play some Highway Child is uh, is pretty cool. Now, you can go back and hear an expounded version of my number five example here and into a whole episode, um, which I called The Next Def Leppard, right? So I'm giving you the short version of it here. Uh, but it's just an excuse to play the amazing, amazing Storybook Heroes album from 1983. Go check it out. The whole thing's on Spotify. Um, and, uh, you know, I imagine for sure I, I would say the whole thing is on YouTube as well. But go check it out. What I love about this record, 1983 uh, Dutch band, um, they sound like the supercharged, drunken, world-beating, new wave of British heavy metal version of Def Leppard. Um, so the idea here is Def Leppard 
is a band rarely copied but not never. Um, and an extra point to make with this one is that you're you're listening to a band that's much more conservative than most of the bands we're, we've talked about here, um, you know, that don't have particularly a lot of crazy differences to them. But you'll notice in this clip I played that uh, that Def Leppard are one of the purveyors of the Geronimo riff, right? Um, that, that Swedish frostcore sort of thing, right? Um, so you get a lot of that on uh, particularly high the High and Dry album and the Pyromania album, um, and Highway Child are definitely you know you're you're feeling the influence here. To their credit, I mean this is an '83 album. I I don't I didn't look it up again, but um, I don't believe they would have. I don't think Pyromania was out, or they would have. You know I don't think they're influenced by Pyromania. They're influenced by High and Dry. Um, but yeah, this is just a killer album, start to finish. Great songs. Not all of it, you know totally Def Leppard or even much Def Leppard, but there are a good three, four songs where you hear that, uh, that really heroic Geronimo riff, uh, thing, you know, storm, storm the Bastille, uh, kind of thing that you hear in that song, uh, there, the EP by these guys is awesome as well. Um, you know, I've talked about this as well. It's called for the wild and lonely. Uh, they did a six track EP of all new material and it's got this really good, uh, I think I even featured this actually in the, um, the uh, the episode about electronic drums, but boy, do those electronic drums sound good, right? Um, uh, because I because I love the, um, the the drum sound on this. I don't know if it is electronic, but um, gorgeous, gorgeous electro drum sound and really cool songs again. I just love this band to death. Uh, they were they were really really cool. Um, Armand Vanderstiegel on vocals. Uh, the vocals is a big deal, big part of it, but so is everything else. I mean, it's just, like I say, the, the absolute. And then, um, when you mention these guys, uh, you have to mention, um, Heavy Petten because they were an even more direct, uh, feel. They're a Scottish band. They were even more directly sounding like they were trying to take that mantle of Def Leppard or at least crowd into that space and say, there's room for two Def Leppards, right? Produced by Brian May, uh, but same kind of thing. Hamey on vocals. Um, but yeah, same kind of thing. Uh, when I say that, I mean the Geronimo riffs, right? Um, and it's funny, uh, this is going a little off topic, but, uh, you always think of the H bands, you know, um, these two, but all always a uh, Helen back comes up and they're an example of um, this idea bands rarely copied but not never they happen to be the baby Van Halen so very few bands would dare trying to particularly copy Van Halen I can think of some bands when you have chops at all positions might be inspired by it and there's kind of a similarity but no one really sounds like Van Halen no one dared ever really sound like Eddie Van Halen that's for sure um, so the H bands you know and, and over here we've got in Canada we've got our, our Helixes and Hellcats and uh, who the, uh, who's, who's the other one um Oh, there's a few different ones. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, we, we have our, our bunch of those as well. But uh, yeah, I, I thought that's kind of funny. You've got, uh, you've got you, you know, bringing Helen back into the H bands and then back to the Def Leppard. The other big one, obviously, is Tesla. And it's funny. I So I, I wanted to play a Highway Child, but I had it all queued up and the timing all figured out for a Tesla song called Taste Like from Shock. And then I thought, I don't want to celebrate this stupid record. Um, I, that that album is, is poppy and, and parts of it, like that really, really annoying, offensive song, Taste Like, sounds like modern day line dancing Def Leppard. Um, so the funny thing about Tesla, it, it's pathetic actually, uh, is that, you know, in the early days, which is actually really late. I mean, it's way later than than uh, than um, Highway Child and Heavy Petten. But 
in the early days, they sounded like a uh, a really good quality hair metal version of Def Leppard. And I was like, yeah, give me more of this, please. I loved Tesla back then. Uh, but then, believe you know, they, they go on tour with Def Leppard and it just starts getting ridiculous. And then you get up to this um, Shock album from 2019 and they're almost like copying um, Def Leppard XXX at that point. Um, so, you know, I, I should probably not go into this in a huge way because like I say, there is a whole episode about this as well, but yeah, that's just a crazy story. Um, so yeah, that's our, that's our fifth one. I wanted to mention a few honorable mentions. Um, I want to mention uh, a couple things. William Walker helped me with this as well. I, I did, I, when I came up with the idea to do this episode, I told him, here's what I got so far. What do you got? And he wrote me back some, and some interesting comments come from that, but I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, the ones I thought that um that I feel like broke the mold um that I I can't really think of too many bands that have copied them are Emerson Lake and like most of the prog bands right but Emerson Lake and Palmer I don't really feel Sticks was followed up on in a big way by anybody Cheap Trick nobody dared to do that sort of thing um cuz that's complex right that's the whole point of this episode it's got the the two funny guys and the two pinup guys and it's got this pop sound like a like a hard charging power pop Beatles um the who you can never duplicate the who you could never duplicate the Rolling Stones. Um, but um, there is a little kind of Beatles family out there through all of time because the Beatles were so huge. But it's funny that you've got these other two bands that were also super huge and nobody, there's, there's you know, you just you just can't take those four Who guys and, and you know, legitimately try to come up with a band that feels like a copy band of the Who. There are Who-esque qualities that I've often talked about to bands like Van Halen. Um, but uh, but no, uh, and same with Rolling Stones. They've got such a unique sound, way more unique, unique of a sound than the Beatles, right? Um, that that like who would dare uh, try to do that? Um, we did a whole episode called the Motorhead Family. So you've got your Motorhead and Tank, Venom, Warfare. But again, few bands really tried to uh, tried to or dared to try to copy Motorhead. You talk about Jellyfish. You know the only thing anybody can ever say about Jellyfish is that they. Oh, they, they're inspired by Queen or influenced or whatever. Um, but they don't really sound like them. But the funny thing about Queen, I thought this might have been a cool episode to do too. Uh, you get, definitely you get some Queen influence, uh, but not all the time, full time in Extreme and even Slaughter and even New England. Uh, so to go back to, uh, you know, Pomp Rock 1979, but Extreme and Slaughter, kind of interesting. You get you get them doing a few Queen flourishes here and there. Um Another funny one is Black Star Riders, you know, but this is a follow-up band on Thin Lizzy, so we could do a whole thing on follow-up bands. Um, I've often talked about how, uh, I think this might have been brought up in the next, uh, the next, uh, the blank Deep Purple. Um, but anyways, yeah, the blank Deep Purple episode, you got Legs Diamond and Vanadium from Italy who are a little bit deep purpley. Um, obviously, your eye heap coming up at the same time, but uh, in the New Wave British Heavy Metal, you had White Spirit. Uh, Angel, considered a little bit of the next deep purple. Um, Jimi Hendrix. Here's somebody who was rarely, rarely who would dare try to do what Jimi Hendrix did. Well, a couple of guys did. Frank Marino did. Robin Trower did. Uh, you know, both the Randy California Later and the Randy Hansen uh, albums kind of do a little bit. But definitely more than anybody would be Frank Marino. And you even kind of hear it even in his vocals a little bit, right? Um, 
Kiss is a funny one. Nobody dares to copy Kiss, but the only one I could think of who musically sounded like a, a version of Kiss would be Stars. Um, so William Walker brings up, except Danton, Van Eyes. Danton and Van Eyes were both, I'm just going to read what he says here, were both led by Udo's younger brother, Peter, and both bands sound laughably like except. Peter sounded exactly like Udo, and the guitars sound exactly, exactly like except the guitars. Here's a neat point he makes as well. ELO, because uh, I can't really think of bands that sound like ELO. He says Alan Parsons Project, and uh, yeah, f- fair fair job, William, for the win. Um, you know, definitely. Uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmery brings up Triumvirate, okay? Kiss, Classic 78, so you can you can go to directly to tribute bands, and, you know, he grappled with that, and I grapple with that a little bit as well. Manowar, he mentions Brokus Helm, Wizard, Atlantean Codex, Stormwitch, Skeletor, Tyrant. Um, this is a funny one he brings up. Um, Montrose. So Montrose is a band I don't think anybody ever, you know, kind of went to that place because it's not even easy to find what that place is, whether that's the songs, whether that's uh, Ronnie's guitar style. Um, but he does he does mention, he says Dave uh, Manichetti's guitar riffing in Y&T and singing. So definitely the singing uh, match up to very similar to both Ronnie and Sammy. Uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. He mentioned Zahn uh, on Sticks and Rabbit on Sweet. I don't know if I would particularly agree with either of those. Um, Uri Heap, uh, Black Bonzo, Blind Gall. Yeah, they, some of these for sure. Even, um, what whatchamacallit, Big Elf, right? Um, Nightwing. Uh, Man of Miracles era, era sticks. So, so yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, true. Man of Miracles, that song absolutely is a is a heap sort of pastiche thing. So again, uh, good examples of bands. Uh, what did I call this again? Uh, bands rarely copied, but not never. Uh, he also mentions Wishbone Ash, uh, Ashbury, and opens leaves it open for discussion. He mentions Gravedigger, Celtic Frost, Hawkwind, Manila Road, Diamond Head, Angel Witch, Running Wild. I don't know. Some of those are here and there. Um, Angel Witch only had that one sound for one album, and then they changed their sound. Hawkwind's kind of an interesting one. Um, I would say, you know, there probably are some bands I'm unaware of uh, that go down that Hawkwind road, but one I am aware of is Monster Magnet. I think Monster Magnet kind of goes down that road a little bit. Um, so there you have it. Um, let uh, let us know what you think in the in the Facebook. Uh, you know, head over to that Facebook page and uh, and let's have a talk about this. Bands rarely copied, but not never. If you like the show and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi. Rhymes with no fee. Uh, apparently, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, slash uh, Kofi dot com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. Um, this uh, this week, I would like to thank Joe Becht. Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, John Clark, Lee Clifford, Tim Derling, Monty Olson, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Philip Edward Phyllis, Mary Joe Plews, very generous Mary, take a take a long break, Steve Polari, and John Stuckey. Very cool. Um, and um, yeah, uh, as I'm saying this, uh, at the end of September, my KISS book is ahead of schedule. I should have them. Um, so all those orders people have been sending in, I will... Um, get those out probably middle of uh, of next week but uh yes still have the bluish skull panel books doing well and the um the who book still got a few of those i think got about eight of those left uh that's my who quadrophenia book and still have the um the pink floyd book and the bowie as well um so yeah those big uh big fancy expensive ones in the old slip covers um for your homework you know what it is of course uh it's go play some highway child go play that whole album storybook heroes go play that Go play that EP as well. Amazing, amazing stuff. 
Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.